we don't believe in NDAs. How funny would it be if I got sued by from Audrey Gellman from the episode? But here's the thing. I think she has time to sue you, from what I and understand. And she would be litigious. Okay, I'm sure that everyone knows this. Litig- that's, that's my favorite soundbite. Litigious. You saying litigious. Yeah, that was gorgeous. Litigious. Hi, Nico. What's up, Con? Not much. I love you. I love you. No homo. Mm, a little bit of homo for me. Just a little bit. Just a smidge. From two guys who are never part of the boys club, we want to welcome you to ours. Welcome to Boys Club. This is our podcast. About boys. And about other things. Like their clubs. And the things we were a part of. Hockey. And we're not a part of. Bagels. Wait, did you say we were a part of hockey? I wasn't. Me neither. Welcome to the club, boys. Grab a bagel. Grab a boys. <laughs> Like, what do boys eat? <laughs> Hi, Nico. <laughs> that was so tender. Hi. Oh, thank you. How were? How was um, your week? When did I last see you? Um, I saw you. I think two days ago. What day is it? Saturday. I saw you on Wednesday. When did you? Where? where? I saw you at um, Maddie Peck's apartment. Yep. Did your task rabbit come today? <laughs> you no, know, my task rabbit. Thank you. Came yesterday. Um, and he, well, this brings me to my first boys club. Okay. I have two. The task rabbit, I, I, it's been a lifelong unrealized dream of mine to mount a television to my wall in front of my bed and just watch it. And I had a man come and mount a TV to my wall and that's my entire personality oh, now. I thought that you said your lifelong dream was to do it yourself. Oh, no. Okay. I'm not a hero. To the boys at home and the whistleblower, I was upset that he didn't ask me to come mount it because I could. I just think, wait. That's actually it is too high. <laughs> Although you say I could get a pillow situation that would fix it, but I do believe it's too high. My, I do crane my neck quite a bit. And listen, if you didn't like it, I would have taken it down and moved it. Okay, well I know, but that feels so awkward For to be an like additional seltzer. To be anyway, like, be sir, sir, that is mounting the TV to my wall. Can you actually unmount it? Because I literally said to him, I was like, I won't be mad wherever you mount it. I, if, as long as it doesn't fall off the wall, I won't be mad at all. So <laughs> then I just like let him have at it. And Wait, can you describe this guy to me? Um, old, young. So. Definitely 29. Okay. We all agree that he's young. He's really nice. He was incredibly straight. And I, d- I do feel like... Do you like think I... there's any queer task rabbits who are not, like, queer women? No. Like, and I think that you should be able to filter by that. Yeah, somebody... Oh, my neighbor across the hall had some... Knew some, like, lesbian NYU grad student who was, like, like a task rabbit that, like, you could just text. That's beautiful. Yeah. Then you take out the middle I might middle still man. have her info. I'll, I'll let you know. That's smart. That's like the people that do Airbnb, then build their own community, and then take out the middleman and it's just like, like... My parents, whenever they come to the city, they have like, instead of using Uber, they found some guy through like friends of theirs who's like their driver. Who they oh my God. Just pick them up. So not only from like the airport and stuff, not like around everywhere. Yes. But Salam. They love him. An entrepreneur. My mom talks about him like he's one of the people she's visiting when she comes to New York. <laughs> he is part of the family. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um... He came, he hung curtains for me. He put a rug underneath my bed with a rug pad. Um, he got, he mounted a television to my wall. He hung a poster, a boys club poster. You can look at it. Um, and he hung. <laughs> Did he pick it up and go, well, this thing's basically ripped in half. Okay, why are you trying? No, I just wanted to be nice and clean. Actually, me. he did try to, to flatten it and he couldn't. And yeah. I, but he tried and I literally praise him for that. Yeah. And then he hung a whiteboard next to my Everyone hates on the whiteboard. People are like, think that's insane. But I think you, like, I'm a writer. I have to have a whiteboard. But why do people not like a whiteboard? I, I don't know. I think people don't understand. I think people don't understand that what, this, what we're doing here. Sometimes you have random thoughts you got to Yes, yeah, so you have to-do lists. You have to, like, write. Yeah, like, have you seen Goodwill Hunting? Right. One, we we can cut this part. One time we wrote a television show together. Do we have to cut this now? 
I don't care. I just remember you going ham and writing act one, act two, act three, and like like connecting the dots in this like Matt Damon Goodwill Hunting kind of energy, like on the, oh, whiteboard. On the whiteboard. Yes, and I was it like, we us. need a whiteboard. Yes. Yeah. You need a visual. You need to be able to like type I need it in to, front of you. I need to see things big picture, which is why I like the whiteboard. I also yeah. will have like instead of like if I have like if I'm falling asleep or something, and then like I have an idea for something. Instead of having, an, I just like get up and write it on my whiteboard, and yeah. I wake up the next day to the most chicken scratch scribble. Makes no sense. And then when I can read it, I'm like, I don't even know why I thought that was funny. No, <laughs> but maybe place. it's important because you know where it's you're not gonna. It's never gonna get realized. Is in the notes app. The notes app. It's too. It's been around too long. We got to start over. Like it, there's mm. too much shit in there. So like mm. the whiteboard, I do think it like is a beautiful way to like validate and legitimize your own ideas. Yeah. That's my first boys club. Is people that lie in bed and watch television on their mounted tv screen it reminds me of my grandmom who died who would just like watch tv all day and then she'd get qvc boxes delivered to her apartment and then my dad would have to come and just return all of them <laughs> but he's not here your dad well you're you were talking about last time that your dad mounted a tv to the outside of your house at home you're right so you and him are quite similar it's this actually is your version of your father's dream it's actually genetic you are your father's son yes it does my room looks like kind of like a hospice meets a hotel room <laughs> where it's just like a, a bed with like a television in front of it just to keep it comfortable and it's about to have a lot of pillows and that's it and i want a giant weighted blanket that's like 20 pounds i thought you already had one I know it's 12 pounds. Oh, you want a big one. I want a big, wait a blanket. I want to have to like work out when I get up in the morning. No. No, I really, wait. Is that I'm why you want it? If you have not had, have you, do you have a weighted blanket? Wait, I'll give you this one. When I get rid of it, you can fight over it. <laughs> it is life changing. Well, whoever gets out first gets to keep it. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like sleeping with a hug, but there's no expectations. Like it's so lovely. It just like nestles you. It's the best. You have to get one. That is nice. It's really lovely. Well, I'm glad your dreams are coming true. Yeah. This is a podcast about your dreams coming true. <laughs> My dreams and also your dreams, boys. <laughs> your dreams. Not you, whistleblower. This episode is about dreams coming true because my boys club is about my dream coming true. Wait, what was your dream? To get a new bike. Um... And boys, I got a new bike today. I went to the Park Slope Brooklyn Bike Jumble. Wait, say that slower. <laughs> the Park Slope Brooklyn bike jumble that's a riddle go on <laughs> so twice a year there is the bike jumble which is just a bunch of people bringing their bikes their parts of their bikes and bike sellers coming like in this like tented area outside <laughs> at um jj burn field which is in park slope beautiful but it also there's like this big there's this little stone house there so it's called the old stone house so it's literally called the brooklyn bike jumble at the old stone house which is like sounds like it's from the 1500s but how did you find out about this so I put on, I put out some feelers on my Instagram, which people were very generous. So thank you to anybody who responded about telling me where to go for the, um, to like find a bike. So it's all these people selling bikes and stuff like that. And it's all people who know a lot about bikes, which is an intimidating group of people to be around. Of I course. fully had to like leave and come back because I was like, this is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Um, but then I found, oh, but what I was saying was somebody on Instagram told me to follow this guy. And then he, I went to his Instagram because he's like a bike seller and he was coming to the bike jumble which is how i found out about it and like wait does this happen you said twice a year twice a year thank god but, and i mean what a stroke of fate that <laughs> when i need it most the bike jumble's happening yes it's the, the farmer's market of bikes it, literally that's a great way to put it and it's just like it's like a bazaar it's like people just like flying around with parts of bikes and like haggling and my roommate who's been before he was like be prepared to haggle which is the bigger boys club i want to talk about is people who can haggle because Not i've never been able to do that my when i was in on vacation this summer, I bought this little, um, I was in like a antique store in 
in Paris, and there was this little painting of a sunflower in like a nice little frame, like a very small oil painting. Um, and I bought it for Maddie, and it was like 20 euro, so like not very expensive. It's like this big. And my dad had, it was cash only, so I was like, can I Venmo you to give me your 20 euros you have? And he was like, hold on, let's go. And I was like, just leave this poor, nice man alone. Like, an it's artist. fine. He's an, like, just. He was a queer artist. Like, we don't need to haggle this guy, Mm-mm. you know? No. Especially you're supporting the arts. I, right. It's like, I just let him have the 20. It's 20 euro. Yeah. And anyway, so I, I didn't haggle for my bike today because it wasn't that expensive anyway, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would have been prepared for it. It's that. also so awkward to be like, um, would you take um twenty dollars? Would you take two fifty? Um, yeah, sir. It's like I don't. And then they're like, no. To come in there and be like, and I was already going in to say like, I don't really know what I want. I don't even really know what size bike I should have. Yeah. And I think before, I would like think I should come in and act like I know something to like, right. kind of like meet them. But I've decided to just be like, actually, I'm gonna be really open with you and be like, I don't know what I want, but I'm gonna just like. You're not gonna talk down to me, talk to me. Yeah. But I'm I'm not gonna like yeah. pretend I know something and try to like I don't know. Okay, that's so you've only had me. one corporate America job and that's actually one too many. Me? Yes. Yes. But anytime you get a corporate America job, you have a corporate America job. Kind of. It's like walks the line say probably. So, so none it's of it's a sitting th- job, but it's a creative job. Okay, that's tea. Anytime you get like a corporate America job, you're supposed to ask for more money. But that is so awkward to be like, I'm so excited to get this job. And you also just like want it to be done. You just like you're if you're looking for a job, you want the like the book to be closed. Mm-hmm. But you are like you the people are like especially like millennial women are always like you have to ask for more money. Women are left behind. You everyone has to ask for more money all yeah. the time. So they're like, there's always more money. And one time I had this job at a startup that absolutely went bankrupt. And <laughs> the person, my boss, who when we went bankrupt, she would like came in with huge sunglasses on her face and she just said, "Stop working." But after that, it was very dramatic. And I was at a tootsie pop in my mouth. And I was like, do I bite this? Do I throw it away? Like, what are we doing? This is very sad. And it literally was like, she's like, we went bankrupt. And I was like, are you okay? And and this is kind of sad. But then she's like, I live paycheck to paycheck. And here's the thing. That's sad. It was absolutely a choice. I was like, you buy a lot of shit. I was like, you choose that. Like, yeah. that imply Like, paycheck to paycheck isn't always used. Whatever. So she was like, Connor, I just want you to know, like, we would have paid you like 20K more than what you were being paid. So, like, in the future, always ask for more money. 20K? And I was like, 20K. That's a lot of money. 20K. I know, no, I wasn't there for a full year. So, I never would have seen the 20K come to fruition. But I was like, that's like always been in my head. So, anytime I like, I've gotten a new job, which as you know is kind of a lot, I'm always <laughs> like, yes, I've had a lot of jobs. I'm always like, hey, can we have like more money? Like, is the salary final? I'm hoping to be closer to XYZ, which always is like such an uncomfortable conversation to have. It's hard to ask for money. Yeah. Which sucks because it shouldn't be. I think it's hard for us. I think there are people in the world who are just like bulldogs. Yeah. I guess if you're a cis man, maybe it's straight man. It's easier. Yeah. Our guest today is the deputy editor of Reductress. I've referenced him several times on the podcast, so I'm really thrilled you guys are going to get to meet him. He's a dear friend of the pod. Uh, please give a warm welcome to Damien Kronfeld. A comedian. <laughs> Famously a comedian. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Our Have pleasure. Have you ever haggled anybody? Well, I'm glad that you brought this up because I was sitting here just like hands over my mouth while you were talking about haggling and I knew it was the first thing I would need to say. <laughs> and this is not a thought that is original to me, so I'm not claiming credit for this. But what I have heard 
is in a situation in which haggling is sort of par for the course, if you don't haggle, that's the meanest thing you could do because then the person thinks, I could have sold it for more. Mm. Wow. You're doing a service to the person who's selling you something. You actually are. Because if they're like, this fucker was going to take the first price that I put out there, I yeah. should have said higher. You have to reach back out to the bike salesperson. <laughs> yeah, so go back. Would go you have given it to me? Painting too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Your dad was helping the artist. He actually was. Your dad was trying to uplift a queer artist. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think my dad was trying to pay 15 for it, but fair. Um, that's, that's a beautiful reframe. Yeah. I love a little reframe. I never thought it would be the case of like, yeah, like a good thing. Yeah. Wow. Wait, that's the kind of thing that's going to be stuck in my head for the next 60, yes, 60 years of my life. Well, that's good, because you can carry that with you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes this podcast imparts wisdom, and sometimes it's nonsense. Most times it doesn't. Usually (laughs) no, but sometimes wisdom. It might. Yeah. And then, wait, your voice call was... um, Dossier fragrances and mounting a TV. Right. Have you ever, A, mounted a TV, or B, hired a TaskRabbit? Neither. None of the above. But... Do you have a toolbox? Yes. Okay, well... That's a boys club. You don't have a TV in your place, though. I don't have a TV, and I've never had a TV. Um, I feel I, like in the age of laptops, it's kind of like... Uh, okay, but I will say, no. Go to bat for me. I'll, I will go to bat for you. I think that having a TV is one of the coolest things in the world. Yes. I have never had a living situation that allows for one. As soon as I do, I'm getting a TV. Yeah, I do love my TV. My roommate had a guest over, like, last weekend, and he slept on our couch, and so, like, the couch was, like, made up like a bed, and I was like... Oh, I want to sit on the couch and watch and TV. And watch TV. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the best things that you can do. Last night, um, I watched the final two episodes of Mad Men, and I watched them on a large television. For the first time? For the first time, yeah. Wait, yeah. I didn't know this was your first time watching it through. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Had Rachel seen it before? Yes, I had many dear friends okay. um, whose opinions I, like, really really trust like fucking playwright friends whatever right. and everyone being like this is the best written show of all time wow and whatever i don't really need to talk about mad men but <laughs> it is that's a boys club it fits to this pod beautifully it fits to this pod beautifully okay wait i actually do have a boys club i want to talk about is that okay let's do but it yeah yeah because i on thursday night i went and saw um, no Country for Old Men at the Prospect Park <laughs> with Nighthawk. Mikey. Oh. With Mikey and with, well, with a collection of friends, one of whom was a cis woman and the rest were not. And it was the audience, like everyone in our little crew was very queer, but the rest of the audience was like cis, straight film bros in a really in a traditional in an archetypal sense yeah um which was kind of scary and then going to the bathroom afterward was terrifying obviously yeah (laughs) um and i was with michael who so thank god yeah but um okay the thing is the drama of it all is that it was supposed to be in 35 millimeter and i get an email from nighthawk a couple of weeks before, being like, hey there, due to unforeseen circumstances, we are not able to stream this movie in 35mm. It's instead going to be DCP. I don't even know what DCP means. I understand it's like digital, it's not film, but to me, I, it's nothing. Yeah. So I didn't tell my friends this because I was like, okay, whatever, we're still going to see this movie. And then I arrive and I meet them and fucking, I'll name names. Michael Aber. <laughs> we, we only name names on this podcast. Okay, good. 
Michael Abert and Abram Blau, who are both Jewish film boys, mm-hmm. were both like legitimately up- upset with me that I didn't tell them as soon as I found out. No, and upset Michael Abert is scary. Wow. And I was like, you have to be okay with it. And an upset Michael Abert in a space where you're supposed to be quiet is even scarier. <laughs> I could say more, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't even know the difference. Of course not. I yeah. mean, yeah. And it's fine. And everyone was fine. That's so funny, though. Wait, I was back to your point about the bathroom, though. Um, mm, sure. <laughs> just really briefly, because I was recently at Prospect Park with Michael, and we had to go to the bathroom, and so we went together, and I was like... I feel instantly safe here because he's here. And I, he just, like, for some reason yeah. made it feel like, oh, I'm a, I can walk in there, no problem. Did you feel safe with me in L.A. in the bathroom? Yeah, because you fucking <laughs> almost so. flooded it. <laughs> <laughs> Connor flushed the urinal and all of a sudden it just, like, exploded. And we were like, we gotta get out of here. I never, this is some sort of toxic masculinity to be certain, but, like, in my years of using the ladies, mm-hmm. I never had any stress about like where are my eyes supposed to look in here. Mm-hmm. In the men's bathroom, I am so stressed. I'm like, where do my eyes go? Wait, it used to be absolutely worse. When I was a child, like at a stadium, they would have just like pails, like troughs, yes. if you will. Oh, yeah. They, where you would just like pee into. And I'm gay. And it's just like... So you're just like looking up and you're like, I hope no one identifies me here. It's just like horrible. Like yeah. that's not how you're supposed to pee. It was also, very like French Revolution. It's a realistic thing to be like, come pee in this trough. Yeah. No, yeah. I think everyone loves it. But also, and this is not to one up you, but I am no, please. gay and trans. Oh my God. And I. So I'm privileged. Na- <laughs> yeah. So naturally, one of the most, and Nico, I'm sure you've had this experience. Well, I'm not sure, but I imagine, where something that's so. It's not so embarrassing, but a little embarrassing is when you're waiting in the men's room and a uh, urinal opens open mm-hmm. opens up and you have to just turn to the guy behind you and be like, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the worst. And then yeah, like, and you're having, like, I'm not shitting, but I am. <laughs> having to wait for the stall and be like. Having to wait for the stall is brutal. Oh my God. You're like, yeah, I'm the guy that's going to have to use that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I was with Maddie at, uh, where were we? Oh, we were in, in Massachusetts when we visited her family. We went to the, um went to the beach and we stopped in the restroom before we went and I was like damn it looks like I'm the guy who's gotta take a shit before I go to the beach <laughs> <laughs> that sucks that is like a very key part of the trans mass experience it always seems that you are taking a shit Ugh, it's the worst and then like yeah I'm constantly like yeah what what are people thinking am I am I too short in here they think I'm just taking the fastest shit of all time like it's <laughs> like uh it's yeah constant I, I hate I love when there's a single stall restroom it just is the best. That's really what they all should be at this time. In yeah, our lives. of course yeah. they should. They should all be like the at Union Hall where they're just. I was like gonna say that is we've dropped bathroom. Union Hall multiple times on this podcast as the, the future bathroom. of bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. it's they're the future true. of bathrooms. I had a funny validating moment at Union Hall the other day where I was in there and there was one other man like washing his hands, and this girly came in with her friend and she looked around. And she was like, "I think we're in the men's room." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and I was like, well, no, but also thank you. Girl, yeah. you're in Brooklyn. <laughs> this is it. Also, when I went to the bathroom in Prospect Park with Michael, it was so funny, too, because he was wearing overalls, and he goes, oh, terrible day to be wearing overalls. And I was like, yeah, you're about to take your entire overalls off to piss. I'm, I feel fine in here with you. You know what I mean? Like, it was yes. just like, it was also one of those things where, like, I've had, like, over the years, like, I've gone to the bathroom with 
women before mm-hmm. and like whatever. But I was like, oh my god, this is the first time Michael and I are peeing together. And I was like, it, yeah, I was like thinking, that's like, a trippy thing. You know what I when mean? you pee with your cis guy friends for the first time. Yeah, it's very strange. And you have to go to the stall, and for like a second, you're like, oh, we're all both of us are aware for a second here of like the differences in our body. You know what I mean? Like even if yes. they're not, they're, I hope they're not thinking about me taking a piss next to them. But like, yeah. it is this thing where like, oh, we're we're going different ways here for a second. Absolutely. It's strange, yeah. Michael handled it so gracefully. Oh, yeah. He's, where he was behind me and a urinal opened up and he just went to it. You know what I mean? Like, there was no... Yeah. No, yeah. He's, he's a good boy for that. Yeah. But he, I, like, yeah, I had the exact same experience where I was like, I feel really safe with him. <laughs> now, I'm Honestly, every time I have to pee, maybe I'm just going to bring him with me. <laughs> and, of course, I thank God I had Michael because I was standing next to these toxic men mm-hmm. wearing, like trucker baseball caps and who had just seen the movie with us and sat next to us um and they were like the script like blah blah blah, and it was such a nightmare so it was not a safe space but how was the movie well okay so now this is me this is maybe a boys club that i am in but it's one of my favorite movies of all time 2007 2007 oscar winner best picture yes best picture is it clint eastwood (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wait i have a visual memory if i see <laughs> i love that you both just laughed at me when i got so not I'm, okay i'm being a bitch it's not clean it's the coen brothers okay but it is an adaptation of a cormac mccarthy novel mm. which is very key because the coen brothers can't write like that like i almost consider it distinct from the rest of their yeah wait what else have they made um, well, they make a lot of Barton Fink, Big Lebowski, Fargo, mm. Miller's Crossing, uh, Hail Caesar, Burn After Reading. You seen these? No, Raising I Arizona. I saw Fargo. Maybe. Here's what I like about the Coen brothers. They have made some incredibly good movies, and they have made some absolute stinkers. <laughs> and I think that that's so... To me, that's the most human thing. Yeah. Yes. And it makes me feel better because it kind of chips away at, like, the myth of genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, you can be really talented and also make something that sucks. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. They're not all yeah. gonna be winners. That is no. beautiful. And the fact that you can winners. make a bad movie and then make another movie and it's better. Yeah. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. always so inspiring. Yeah, and that your reputation won't be tarnished for trying and failing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, whatever. But you should... You should really see No Country for Old Men. Okay, I'll put it on my list. The Big Lebowski, I love so much, and there's this one joke in it. I think that the theme of this episode is going to be, like, trans masculinity. I hope that's okay. Oops. (laughs) And the dreams. (laughs) Right, no, and I do not mean to kind of exclude you. (laughs) No, but... And Connor's dreams. <laughs> it's about yeah. trans masculinity and Connor's dreams. <laughs> Thank you. That's kind of the theme of every episode, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reason why I say that is because I love The Big Lebowski. It's so funny. It's a wonderful film. And there is this one joke in it. And it's a great scene. And there's the one guy... I'm explaining this so well. There's a guy being all intense, and he's talking to the dude, Jeff Bridges, and he's like, you know, dude, like, what makes a man? Is it blah, 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 this kind of intense speech? And then the dude is like, yeah, like that and a pair of testicles, you know, whatever. And it's just this kind of throwaway joke, but it's the type of thing where, like, if you're trans and you're watching it with cis people, at that line, everyone else will, like, tense up. And there's something, my experience is, like, I don't, 
I'm fine with transphobia and microaggressions. I just don't want for them to happen to me in front of cis people mm-hmm. because then I have to be like, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I feel you completely. Like, it's, I hate when there's an audience for it if it happens to me exactly. by myself and like whatever, but when yeah. I have to like feel them watch that mm-hmm. and clock that, it almost like, I've talked about this, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I had, when I had my temporary ID when I was getting my new ID, I got, denied from not denied but I had a hard time at a bar mm-hmm. it was after a show so I was with like some comics who I don't know that well that are older than us um and it was just like and it happened in front of them and then they had to be like I'm so sorry that happened to you and I was like this is like so embarrassing yeah and it also like having come off of like me like very confidently talking about myself and my experience on stage it like right. almost like punctures that like shield I put up by yeah. talking about it all like on stage because mm-hmm. it's like yeah, I'm fine with this. Nothing ever happens to me. I'm great. Everything's good. And then like, and it, like people happens. see what's kind of behind yeah. the curtain, and they're like, I don't, you don't, you shouldn't get to see this. It feels worse. Yeah. I, I, having an audience part sucks. No, that yeah. is absolutely the worst part. Because then, yeah, then you have to you have to comfort them that mm-hmm. you're okay, and like yeah. it's just yeah, it's a nightmare. Wait, I have to ask you this. I've wanted to ask the whole time, but then you said that you were trying not to tear women down, and I feel like I'm about to tear women down. <laughs> Olivia Wilde, can you comment on d- that whole situation? Um, I had Maddie describe it to me the other day because I did not know what I had Jesse Ballard describe it to me. There's something about having a queer woman describe it to you where you're like, I do feel informed and ready to tell everyone about it. So I am not, I still need to be informed. There are queer women in my life who have tried to explain it to me. See, that's, the, that's their big thing right now. Um, they're good at it. Specifically, okay, so my coworker, Madison Dillard, mm. um, is... <laughs> like names. I love a first and last name. Mm-hmm. Connor does too. He's I always love trying, names. But you're always trying to dox people. Not dox people, but yeah. it'd be like, it was like this girl in high school, she sucked, and then say her full name. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. He, you I'm, give a very. This is more of a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yours are like so nice. You give like a completely like non emotional commenter on the person and then say their name. Which is fine. But no, she was trying. So in the reductor's office, oh, there's so much I wish I could say. Maybe after the microphones are off. <laughs> Sometimes we bleep things. We Wait, love to also bleep things. Speaking, we've never once successfully bleeped anything. Sometimes we'll be like, it. "Remember when this ha- like when when so and so did," but then we'll be like, "We'll just like take their first and last name out." But it doesn't that really work. No, I I can't. It's the wing the wing collapsed. Wait. Okay. Thank you for bringing this up because I, there's something that I was okay. 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 Wait. Can we come back to Olivia Wilde? We may. Okay. So wait. For a second, I was like, I thought that you were like, we might and we might not. And then so I, so I heard that, yes, English majors, rally around. And I was like, oh, that was really, that was, that was bold. Um, the wing did collapse. And yeah, as a queen, result of this podcast, we took the wing down. And then we also, the queen is dead. Oh, true. And those are two institutions that we have absolutely attacked. And the third yeah. institution is the lady at the and I think that that is a bit she's really taking. That she's an yes, fall. no. I support and that will be this majorly, and it is feminist. It is feminist. It, yes, yes. I, I was and gonna... we have to talk about that. Yeah. It's feminist to take down women. women. We just took down three women. <laughs> to take down toxic women. To take down toxic women yes. who are antithetical to the movement. Yeah, completely. And that was the wing. And Audrey Gelman, who actually you already was there. taken down. I worked at the wing as an employee. Audrey Gelman, give me the tea. I could literally be sued. I have signed documents that prohibit me from discussing this. NDAs. 
Wait, but NDAs was my boys club one week, and we don't do NDAs here. I know, no one does. <laughs> we right? don't believe in NDAs. How funny would it be if I got sued by from Audrey Gellman from the episode? But here's the thing, I think she has time to sue you, from what I and understand. And she would be litigious. Okay, I'm sure that everyone knows this. Litigious. That's, that's my favorite soundbite. Litigious. You saying litigious. Yeah, that was gorgeous. Litigious. Okay, I'll keep it really short. No, the first thing I wanted to say, the controversial thing I wanted to say, is that... I am a Lena Dunham apologist. That is really controversial. You do both love girls. Okay, well, yes, but show. I don't love Lena. No, I do love Lena. I can't hear women down again. <laughs> I love Lena Dunham. I don't love her, but I... Here's what I'll say about Lena. She's a good writer. She's an amazing writer. We can all agree she's an amazing writer. She's an amazing writer. Yeah. Has she done some horrific things? Yes. Wait, I don't even know what they are. She, someone who worked on Girls came forward and said that she was sexually assaulted by a man who worked on Girls. And Lena Dunham, with her full chest, was like, I believe women, but this one is lying. It's false. I know for a fact that he didn't do it. Obviously, he did it, and she just liked him. Fuck. So, yeah, not good. Not good at all. Yeah. (laughs) Who's your favorite character on Girls? Ooh, I mean Shoshana. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And then, like... Actually, of course. Like, I love Shoshana. I love Shoshana so much. She is the most... I love early Jessa. (laughs) Well, Jessa is the character... Like, when I watch Girls in high school, Jessa was... Everything. Yeah. I mean, I was, like, really... Like, I was working at a hardware store and then taking that money to take the train into NYC to go where? The free people on Fifth Avenue. You grew up in Long Island? I grew up in Katona, New York. Cool. Um, <laughs> the one by Rockefeller Center? Or is there another one? No, it's lower. <laughs> I would I would be a little bit cool because I would come into the city with my friends and we would go to the Beacons on 13th Street. Nice. But then we would also go to the free people. Of course, of course. Um, have you seen Greta Gerwig, Mistress America? Yes, I have. Okay, I feel like that's the same energy. Go on. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Jessa, obviously I was enamored of everything about her but then you i rewatched it as an adult and she is the most toxic character wait who did you like when you rewatched it as an adult did you like marnie no wait i think that's something that i need to work out with myself why do you like marnie so i did not the first time i watched it which was not as an it was a kai was a low-key an adult but i was about to out you for liking marnie i was gonna say wasn't that your favorite character i when i watched it recently i like liked marnie i was like yeah i get it she's like i understand like and i only watched the first season again i so i didn't stick with it the whole thing i do need to do the whole thing so i still haven't seen it you you've told me for months i need to watch it. you at least the first season i know all and right. maybe apparently the whole all six, if you got the time. Six, wow. Also, let me pop off once again in defense of Lena Dunham. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. Who I do not think is a good person, but also I don't think people are really good or bad, whatever. That's a hot take. It Wait, like yeah. A, it feels like a Leah Michelle situation where everybody's like, she sucks, but damn, she does. Wait, the number of toxic women that have been named on this podcast. <laughs> That's such a good theme. Toxic. The theme actually is toxic women. It's toxic women. And we are going to get back into that through so many avenues but lena what was i gonna say about her okay people just love to shit on her in a way that's very lazy because do you remember that time on twitter where everyone was like 
Lena Dunham sold girls with like a two-page treatment. I, re- I sent you the treatment. That's yes. how it works. Also, yeah. she had already made a short film. She had made yeah. a critically lauded short film. Tiny Furniture. Like, it's not like this girl just showed up out of nowhere. Did you see how excited I was to be like, Tiny Furniture. <laughs> tiny Furniture. You're saying something under the answer to it. <laughs> what is Tiny Furniture, Alex Trebek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and also that pilot is so fucking tight if I ever write anything as good as that pilot. Yeah. God bless. I think you will. Because you're a comedian. <laughs> a working comedian. I, I'm never going to heal from this. <laughs> I I need to watch that show. but <laughs> At least the pilot. It's a good pilot. But wait, let me say the one thing that ties us all together with a beautiful toxic ribbon. Yes. Mm-hmm. The character of Marnie based on Audrey Gallman. Yes, of course. Okay, sorry. Oh, oh, no, 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 but yes, and it's fascinating. Okay, well, that blew my mind. I did not know that's where we were going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because wow. I'm obsessed with, like, well, I, they're shaking it she, I, I like, um, which is also crazy, like, that, that Lena Dunham and Audrey Gallman are friends does make you be like, well, what's going on with Audrey Gellman? Like, they're not, it's not two people that you would put together at all. Yeah, but they're childhood friends. Oh. Ah. See, childhoods do that. Yeah. They put people together before they know. But something super funny about that is all kind of related to Lena and the wing. Also, I want to give a shout out. Another one? Madison? It's not someone I know. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. It's, maybe it's someone who will hear about this and then you'll know them. Shout-outs are good. Shout-outs are good. No, we we want to bring How as many, many people in as we can. You have as many as you want. You have as, ma- as many as you need. I want to shout out Cyrus Dunham. Are we familiar? Related to Lena, I imagine. Um, her younger brother. Okay. A trans. Hell yeah. Noah Cyrus. The younger siblings are such a crazy thing to be. Go on. <laughs> I love Noah Cyrus. I want to shout out Noah Cyrus. Go on. And say that. Wait, do you want to go to the Noah Cyrus concert with me? <laughs> Literally not at all. No one wants to go with me. Do you want to go with me? Nope. I'm nervous because it's at Why like... Why do you guys have concert tickets? He called me yesterday when I was at the gym and said, do you like Billy Joel? I got two tickets. And I was like, Billy what? Joel. Wait, what did I want to say? L- let me say this one more thing. Cyrus yeah. Dunham. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he wrote a really good memoir called A Year Without a Name that I should read that. that you should read. I can lend <laughs> it to you. And what's funny is that an excerpt from the memoir was published as an essay in The New Yorker like years and years ago at this point. I don't even know when. And I remember reading it on the subway and just like having an emotional meltdown, mm-hmm. like losing my shit and it's so funny because it's simply about him being like yeah i'm trans and this was so pre my being out and i was like just truly didn't do any processing i was like wow that article really moved me and here's to not thinking about it for two more years (laughs) that's uh that's classic of me like damn that's that's that hit something but like really not thinking about it weird that that would be so emotional for me but happy for him um do you ever whenever i read things about or even hear about trans men from like even five ten years ago i'm like how the fuck did you figure that out like if it had not been in <laughs> I my know. sight and i had not met trans guys or trans mass people it i i just can't even believe i would ever have and like of course probably eventually but like like oh my like my therapist has been out for like decades and i'm like how the fuck did you ever i mean i guess if you moved to new york eventually you figure it out i never knew until right now that you have a trans therapist yeah 
He's the best. Oh, good for you. Yeah, he it rocks. Uh, here's my thing. So my therapist is a cis woman, and I love her. She has a beautiful mind. Obsessed with cis women therapists. Yes. Um, and I always kind of felt like I couldn't have a trans therapist because I'm like, I'm coming to you and just sharing like all of my worst like internalized transphobia mm-hmm. and stuff where I'm like, I don't know if I want to say that to a trans person. Yeah, but I do, yeah, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I hope this isn't, like, triggering for me to, but, like, he mm-hmm. wouldn't get into this work if he wasn't ready to handle no, it. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, what if I had a gay male therapist, and I was like, I don't want to be one of those gays that's, like, 38 and doesn't have a family or a kids and just goes to Hell's Kitchen every week, I'm like a loser, <laughs> and then... That's and that's so... just him. That's yes. just his life. <laughs> that would yeah. be so uncomfortable. No, it could be hard. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, that's why, and, again, I mean, everyone should read The Diaries of Lou Sullivan, but it's amazing because he was just like, I'm a gay trans man. God, and yeah, and the additional element of being a gay trans man, which yeah. is, of course, something that I think people are, for whatever reason, they don't expect, you know, which mm-hmm. is like crazy because now having met a lot of trans guys, it's more frequent than not for trans guys to like have a little bit more fluidity in their yeah. sexuality. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Yeah, it's just, it is truly incredible how many people throughout history have, like, made themselves in the image of their desires with no blueprint. God, I, it's so admirable, because I'm like, if I didn't have somebody fucking holding my hand, I, I don't think I would have ever figured it out. No, oh my god, it was so, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it was revelatory to me to just, like, fi- I need to just, I need to own this part of my identity and stop having so much shame around it. There is a bi but like gay (laughs) trans british youtuber named no offense we can put this in the um episode resources the way you said bi but gay felt like a slur (laughs) bi but gay i think i'm allowed to say it because i'm bi but gay i'm bi okay i have a a lot to say about this too (laughs) unleash historically sexuality was not an identity it was something that you did so that's why people complain about bi erasure but the reality of bi erasure historically is that like no one would be talked about as bisexual because like if you were a woman and you were having sex with a woman you were doing lesbianism Mm. so you were a lesbian didn't matter if you also had sex with men Mm. yeah so like by history like the history of bi women is lesbian history the history of bi men is gay history and so on and so forth yeah i am like anti label because i'm more i kind of like the historical model of like it's not who you are it's what you do yeah. i was just thinking when you said that that's it's like so yeah to be like you are a lesbian in this moment while you're having sex with, if you're a woman, having sex with a woman. It's kind of nice, Yeah, it's like you, just to like, it's, yeah, like you're saying it's like an active thing you are in this moment. Like, Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, and it's, it's so much more, um, true to like what queerness is of it being like fluid and and it's experience. Right, because it's not a fixed state. And we're so addicted to like reducing identities Mm -hmm. to a fixed state. Yeah. And so I like anything that challenges that. Yeah. So you like the word queer? Um, yeah, well, how do you mean? I feel like, so, so you talk about how, like, both of those are limiting to, like, lesbian, gay, bi, even. These yeah. are, like, limiting words. Yeah. Whereas queer is just, like, 
this kind of like this overarching umbrella, but you have an opinion on it because of your smile. <laughs> Go ahead. So, yeah, I like the word queer, but I think that there are some cis men who abuse it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wait. No. No, you don't know if I don't. Go on. I don't think that you do, because let me tell you what I'm talking He's about. He's going to describe me right now. Go. I am not going to describe No, do you. it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not perfect. This actually isn't about you. <laughs> no, it, it's never about me anymore. We've forgotten this this way, gays. Go on. Oh. I'm going to move to Mississippi where I can be traumatized still. No. Uh, yeah, you need a little more trauma. Mm-hmm. You need a little more oppression. Yeah, no, I'm so happy for you. Okay, um, go on. What were you gonna say? No, what I was gonna say about queer is I am like pro gatekeeping in certain instances, and I think that there are some cis men who like only date. <sighs> I want to tread carefully. I feel like there are cis men who date women and then will, like, date AFAB, pretty femme-presenting non-binary people and be like, I'm queer. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I don't necessarily trust that you are, like, seeing that person for who and what they are. Mm -hmm. Um... And I also think that it can just be a way of, like, distancing oneself from privilege. Mm-hmm. And you can identify as whatever you want, but I think, like, I, what do I mean when I say I'm pro-gatekeeping? Because I'm not actually. Like, I think that anyone can say whatever, but prepare to be challenged on it. Yeah. You're like, you can identify as whatever you want, but your memoir will still suck. It won't be good. <laughs> be bad. I think, too, like, there are a lot of, like, t- that exact, like, person you described, that, like, cis man you described, is kind of engaging with queerness in an unexamined way, in mm-hmm. a way that is not, like, paying its respects to the, the greater community and, like, what that means and where you stack up in that. It, not stack up, oh, but sort yeah. of like to understand the other the privileges that exist in with even within the community and like how that ecosystem works. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like if you are a more uh, queer presenting person or j- like you just inherently have to engage with that because of like the way that you the world interacts with you. Yeah. Whereas if you're not in that group, like you have to make the effort to engage with it and and, and understand it and pay your respects, so to speak. And yes. like a lot of people are not doing that. Yes. And like you said, using it as a way to distance themselves from the privilege and to like almost kind of be like, you know, I'm interesting too. Right, and <laughs> to know? gain a certain access. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. Actually, I, if I say one of my stand-up jokes on this, will I get canceled for being the worst podcaster ever? No, but I love, I, I, was, I was hoping you would because I love that joke. The joke is, it's like kind of an opener, but it can actually go anywhere, which makes it a beautiful joke is, and I'm not going to do it like I would do it, so if you're not going to laugh in your little car, dad, but like... <laughs> But, like, the, the joke is, I'm queer, I used to be gay, but now I'm queer to seem younger. <laughs> Which yeah. it's true that it's, like, you're right that it's, like, okay, queerness as to me. I'm, I'm simply gay. Mm-hmm. But I'm queer... Which is actually just keeps me relevant, so I'm not perfect. 
No, but it's not. No. no, no, none of us are perfect. I'm fine with it. Like, it's, it's, it's not at all a problematic joke. Though. It's very funny. Yeah, and it's not a problematic joke, but Connor, I would push you a little bit. No, push that. me. Yeah, because how you identify is up to you. But like, what if you were seeing someone? Yeah, and then they were like, "I realized I'm non-binary." Would you break up with them because you're gay? Oh, you're then I would actually men? graduate to true queerness. I would have to. Yeah, but it's like maybe I don't know. Like I don't think that. Yeah. Like I'm pro, <laughs> I'm pro gatekeeping, but I'm anti gatekeeping yourself because yeah. I think that that is something that like holds people back. Like. Yeah. I don't know. No, it makes... No, no, no. What you're saying makes sense. And what... For even just, like, the word queer in general, like, yes, I say I'm queer, but as... Because you talk about the privileges of it, like, as a cis white gay man, because we've talked about spaces where we, like, feel respectively comfortable or or uncomfortable in, Mm -hmm. as, like, there are a lot of spaces that I can walk into and be like, Mm -hmm. I'm super comfortable here. Yeah. Where you would walk in and be, like, a little bit more, like, closed off. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, like... The Pilates, the Pilates girls. girls. The Pilates girls. Yeah. I can walk in and be like, they well, love they me. Know what, they know you and know yes. what to do with you and they do not know what to do with me. Yeah. 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 But I I use queer for myself for two reasons. One, because, uh, like, it feels like, like I've mostly, I, I, I've dated, the people I've dated have, at the time, we both, in my last three relationships, at the time we started dating, we both identified as cis women and then, like, it obviously evolved from there. Yeah. And one of my exes is also a trans guy now. One is non-binary. So it's like, okay, we can't ignore the history. <laughs> there okay. was something going on. Right. <laughs> yeah. We can't ignore the vibes. And then, but I mostly am attracted to women and whatever. And like, but I don't want that. Like I have to, I'm not, not queer. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. still like in the community. So I have to be like, well, yeah. this is my like identifier. But also to your point, like, I'm like, I have gotten it wrong about myself so many fucking times. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it open and just not try to guess. I love that. You know, like, what? I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure, like, I'm just going to let it happen as it goes. I'm, try, I'm mm-hmm. just tired of trying to, like, pin myself down because it has, I've tried and failed that several times along the way. And yeah. now I feel like I'm at a point with myself where I understand who I am more. But part of that is, like, letting go and just being like... Understanding that it's kind of an open Right. Sort of and thing. it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... No, I feel very similarly, and I also feel like historically I have struggled with an internalized biphobia of, like... And it's funny because this is so rudimentary, and yet I still find myself grappling with it, where, like, I am bi, but I've had so many experiences where if I'm with a woman, I'm like, okay, maybe you're actually just into women. And then I'll be with a man and be like, okay, you're actually just into men. And... It, it, the answer is so obvious, which is what's love. silly about it. <laughs> it's like, you're just by, But I still have a hard time. And I also think I partially have a hard time with that. Like, I mean, okay, now I can kind of tie us into boys clubs. Hell yeah. I think that um, male gayness is a bit of a boys club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is, like, a very complicated space for me to navigate. So sometimes I feel more inclined to, like, claim my gay identity because of the fact that I already have, like, a chip on my shoulder because being trans, I am excluded from, like, a lot of gay male spaces. It is pretty remarkable 
that like within the comedy world yeah there are still cis gay men who have not progressed past the joke of like vaginas are disgusting yeah Mm. The last time I touched a vagina was when I was born, and I said, no, thank you. Yeah. Like, that is a yeah. joke that we've all heard, and that, like, people are still doing. And very original. Right. I mean, it's not funny, right? And But, okay, actually, I'm so glad. This is something that I have been, like, thinking about a lot. Because it's transphobic, and it's fucking misogynistic. Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't get to be a man popping off about how disgusting vaginas are. Yeah. So... But the thing that I wanted to say is that people are afraid of coming across as, like, overly emotional or, like, as snowflakes, right? So there's a thing within our community that I've noticed where it's, like, people think that if if you're upset by a joke because you think that it's harmful or hurtful or problematic, then the only correct way to engage with that is to say it's bad comedy writing. Mm. Like, it's lazy, it's hack, because that is what people will respond to. But I'm really, like, bothered by uh, the idea that that reifies, which is that that is the only valid critique. Why is it not valid to say, yeah. that's hurtful? I wish that we didn't have to be like, this isn't about my feelings, it's about whether or not this is good joke writing. Yeah. Because it's like, sure, no, that's not good joke writing, but honestly, I hear a lot of jokes that aren't very well written and I'm not mad about any of them unless they also happen to hurt my feelings yeah you know so it's like I think that's fine to be like well who cares if it's lazy or not even if you manage to write like a novel version of this it would still be transphobic and misogynistic right right I mean it's impossible to write anything novel that is also hateful because those things are antithetical to each other yeah absolutely Um, because the core idea is the issue yeah so the core idea you could dress it up with something funny and it's still the core idea yeah Yeah. no I totally agree because yeah I think I I often default to that too and I think it comes from a place of not wanting to especially when it's transphobic stuff because I think Mm -hmm. I don't want to actually come out and be vulnerable and say like that hurt my feelings yeah because it's hard yeah because we were at a show um, several months ago where they yeah, where a, a big... Our brains are in sync today. Yeah. That's where my head went, yeah. <laughs> a huge name comic dropped in on this show, and, like, somebody very famous, and we were wa- we were sitting there watching, and um, he did a really transphobic joke, and it was transphobic about trans men, which is kind of rare. <laughs> Special. Yeah, trans... I mean, obviously the trans women get the bulk of it, but it yes. was rarely... And I, I remember being so excited to see him because I was like, oh my god, this is crazy, like, we're at this show, like, this is awesome, like, we are so in close to this person right now, like... This is crazy. And then he said the joke, and my whole body just went, like, hot. You know, that feeling of just being like, I can't, like, believe. And, like, hearing a sea of people laugh at it is just horrible, you know? And and then we saw him in L.A., and he did the same joke again, the same bad joke. Blessed to see him twice. So it wasn't a bad riff. Yeah, like, it wasn't even like he just was, like, a one-off bullshit. Like, he was like, oh, that's good, I'll keep it. I was like, ugh. But, yeah, after that... No, he loves... To be transphobic. Yeah, I think I, after that, I mean, to you, I was like, that really was a bummer to see, and I think probably the, like, intimate friends and stuff, but I think if I relayed that story to other people, I would have been like, oh, it was, like, just a bad joke, and it was bad writing, and I hate to see, like, comics be so hack, older comics be hack, but Mm -hmm. it is truly, I'm like, oh, that sucks that you are saying that about my community and me yeah. to some extent. You know? And that people are laughing at it and that you're letting people feel okay. Like, mm-hmm. that, because that is the reason why 
transphobic, racist, misogynistic, whatever else comedy is so effective is because people already feel those things and they are dying for an opportunity for someone to tell them it's okay that you feel this way. Mm -hmm. And it's not. And it, right? Like those are the feelings that should be challenged. Right. But then a comedian gets up and says something and everyone has the community of like laughing at it together and then it assuages their guilt for feeling something that they know is harmful. Right. And it's why I like to be able to talk about being trans on stage because I feel like, and with all trans, like, and it's so, there are complicated feelings around gender and men and women and just the way that we all interact in the world and we should all be like examining those and like Mm -hmm. thinking about the complicated feelings but it is so much more powerful and so much more like fun in my opinion to see a trans person on stage talking about it and be like come on and just like let's talk about this together but from a point of view that is not punching down and is not like of course yeah yeah because it's just ultimately more fun and effective and funnier Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah so that was a real bummer to see him but you're so right that like my instinct is always to be like, oh, it's just bad joke writing. It's hack. It's whatever. It's lazy. But truthfully, it hurts my feelings and it makes yeah. me sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is really as good of a reason. Yeah. And it sucks that we can't just say that yeah. and that that is somehow like weakness or like mm-hmm. can be. And it's like, yeah, like why are my feelings something that we can, that can then be like, oh, then that doesn't count. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't matter. And I think that the logic behind it is, okay, this transphobic person isn't going to respond to, like, you hurt a trans person's feelings, but they will respond to, that's poor joke writing. But Mm. I think that's kind of a fallacy. Yeah, I don't think they... I I think at that point they don't care anymore. I think they already think they're untouchable and they're hilarious and that everything they say is gold. So, like, I don't think that they... And ultimately they are humans, so if anything, maybe it would be more effective for it to be, like... (laughs) That sucks for me. Yeah. yeah. I know I would be really bummed if I, if somebody came up to me and was like, my feelings were generally hurt by this. And, like, my biggest nightmare is if ever I did something or wrote something that, like, trans people were upset by, I think that would, like, or if they, like, I, that would crush me, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saying that something made you feel sad is, like, an unimpeachable, powerful statement. Yeah. But also incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. And easily, if you're saying it to the wrong person, could be met with snowflake. Yeah. Exactly. And that you're... Yeah, it's, like, the problem. But then if a queer person gets up and is... Or any person and is, like, challenges that joke, then they're angry. Right, And, like, yeah. now you're set flossed. Yeah. <sighs> and so frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we want to do the next question? Yeah. What's a boys club you wish to see in the world? Nope, that's not it. <laughs> I feel like we haven't done any of the questions. We did. Wait. Did you say gay men was your boys club you... Or not a part... Or no, sorry. Was that a boys club you wanted to talk about? Or did we not... Well, that was a boys club I wanted to talk about. Yeah, okay. Okay, Wait, my monkeypox shot? I'm rescheduling it. It's in 20 minutes. Wait, I think like this is... I I love this conversation. Let's just reschedule, because I honestly... I'm just like not that high risk. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) I actually said to my dad on the phone yesterday, I said, hey, this is way TMI, but like, I'm really not very high risk. And he's like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if you know, but that means that I'm not. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'm done. I had such a funny conversation with my dad where he was like, so are you um, concerned about monkeypox because of um, having sex with gay men? <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, well, yes. Wow. And so I am. 
Having I mean, met your dad, too, I'm, like, picturing and hearing in my head him saying that it is very funny. He's <laughs> an icon. Not I don't think we've touched on any boys' clubs. Okay. What no, I feel like... like all we did was touch boys' clubs. <laughs> well, we've talked about a lot, but we haven't talked about his specific Lee club. Michelle is a whole boys' club. <laughs> this is true. Okay, what is a boys' club you were not a part of? Well, so, when I was thinking about this question, I went with the most sort of literal answer, which was boyhood. And... Yeah. For me, that is one that I have complicated feelings about, but I'm ultimately grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I think that being socialized female is a, a really valuable experience for any man. <laughs> I like. I do not wish to have been socialized as a boy. No, it's like there are experiences that I wish I could have had, but that is ultimately the trade-off. Yeah. And I also just feel like, I don't know. I mean, so this is very related to the next question of like a boys club that you're in, Mm -hmm. right? Which is now like existing in the world as a man. Mm -hmm. Or, and it's also very funny because, and I'm still gathering my thoughts about this, but like, I, the only times in my life that I'm ever misgendered at this point, um, is by people who are like, I hate to use the word woke. The only people I'm misgendered by are kind of like young liberal slash leftist whatever and when i say misgendered i'm they're vang me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i get they yeah but sometimes too yeah, yeah. and it's just kind of funny because i'm like i understand you are proceeding out of an abundance of caution that you think is a good thing mm-hmm. but like my name is damien like use some context clues right i know that you're not vang all cis people mm-hmm. and it's funny because like, I am never misgendered just, like, out in the world. I'm never misgendered by strangers, mm-hmm. you know? It's only kind of, like, people who are weirdly tiptoeing around me because they know that I'm trans. Mm. Um, and I, again, th- that's complicated, right? Because if you are non-binary or if you're trans but your presentation is less legible, then... I understand that it wouldn't be a nice thing to have people assuming your gender. Mm-hmm. But for me, ultimately, it's nice and it's affirming yeah. to be gendered correctly in a way that is clearly second nature. You yeah. know, it is without thought. Um, and that happens from, like, I think that there's, obviously, this is there's a class component to this as well. But, like, um, I don't know. I just feel like, I never have, like, an Uber driver or a bodega guy mm. being like, so what are your pronouns? They're just like, hey, boss, you yeah. know? And yeah. it's like, um, and again, that's, it's complicated because that is sort of a privilege that I have that other people don't have. So it's always complicated to be like, oh, I'm grateful for this privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just funny to me here's my hot take. I think it's okay to do some guesswork with a pronoun. Period. That's my opinion. I would rather that... Because my feeling is that, like, 
when so i used to use they them and then i used like they he right but even when i was using pure and maybe this is because i'm actually like more of a trans man than non-binary but like when i was using they them when people gendered me as male i never was like upset by that right or felt misgendered by that and again maybe that's a me thing but i think the point is that like if you he or she someone who is presenting as like pretty straightforwardly masculine or feminine and they actually use they them pronouns they can correct you and Mm -hmm. then that's fine and then you use the right pronouns but i think that there's something very silly about being like hmm i can tell that you're trans right therefore i'm going to use they them until i know because you would you wouldn't do that with a cis person yeah it's like calling attention to something that doesn't you know what i mean it's like trying it's like it's almost worse to like be like i know that this is different than what i usually see so i'm gonna call attention to it by using they it's different and i'm cool with it yeah yeah i want everybody to know this is fine with me (laughs) (laughs) and i've done my homework and i know what to say yeah because it's like saying that gender is a construct and that gender is not real or different things right it's a construct but it's real yeah and And it exists and we have to live with it yeah yeah. Yeah. i also like this i don't like when in terms of like people i know pretty well and like people i and maybe this is fucked up of me but sometimes i have friends who are like kind of like like on a journey with their pronouns and stuff like that and if especially if they use multiple um i and this movie is fucked up but like sometimes i feel like people are and i know because i felt this way i was i was i was nervous to ask to use he so i you know sort of they them or so sometimes i'm more inclined to like use one or the other for folks because i'm like i feel like this is maybe what you want more which maybe is fucked up and i probably should just ask and like be respectful and people know what they want but like i don't know sometimes but i because i wish that somebody had maybe done that for me more yeah so i'm trying to like extend that to them no i mean so much of it is like a fear of asking for what you want because you don't think that you deserve it. Yeah, totally. And or that anybody will take you seriously. Exactly. Or that people won't be like. You know, my big thing is always like remembering what it was like to be, you know, five and have my parents be like, "He wants to go where like she mm-hmm. wants to be told this or whatever," and mm-hmm. then like just like go along with it. And like my fear all the time is that like everybody in my life is like being like, "We're just gonna go along with this," and we don't actually yeah. see you and we don't actually believe this. Mm-hmm. So like to ask is to like call attention to the fact that there has to be something to be asked exactly and cyrus dunham writes about this very well okay i need to read this book yeah and i don't remember the exact wording but he basically says something to the effect and this was you know when he was grappling like pre beginning medical transition Mm -hmm. and it's something to the effect of you know like at times i think a lot of trans people deal with this i definitely deal with this you feel delusional Mm -hmm. and He's like, yeah, sometimes the idea of, like, my wanting to be a man felt like a little kid, like, wanting to be an astronaut, you know? Yeah. And, again, that thing of, like, you feel like people are maybe humoring you but not taking you seriously, which is a horrible way to feel. No, I've, I've had that exact, like, almost that exact image in my head of being like, I feel like a little kid in a costume. Exactly. And everybody's like, this is this, this is this guy, but they're like, this is a kid in a costume. Yeah. And, like, that is the hardest, like thing to overcome to be like no there and and like you do get to the point because you there are people in your life who maybe do look at you that way and there Mm -hmm. are people in your life who don't and you you start to sense that difference um is your boys club that you are in 
it's it's the complicated um, experience of experiencing misogyny mm-hmm. and then kind of escaping it a little bit. Yeah. And being aware of the fact, and I have a lot of trans mask friends who have this same experience, where, like, sometimes men will try to bond with you um, via sexism. Yeah. And... My barber did that to me the other day. (laughs) Yeah. It happens all the time, and it's like, you know that if you want to be a good person, you need to challenge that. Yeah. But it's also really hard because you're simultaneously having your identity validated Mm -hmm. in the most toxic way. Right. So it's just something I'm aware of and that I think about. I've been noticing too, like the other day, Maddie and I ran into somebody, a cis man, straight cis man, who knows both of us. And he, I was clocking the way he was talking to her versus the way he was talking to me. Yeah. And I was like, this is fucked up. Like, talk, you need to speak to both of us the same way. Like, we both deserve your respect in the same regard. But, like, it was very clear he was, like, almost like when a guy is, like, talking to, it's, like, you and the missus. You know what Uh I mean? It was, like, very, like, this is your, and then this is somebody who's, like, attached to you rather than two people. And it was, like, really bothering me. And it also, like, of course. And it, 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 it bothers me on, obviously, a lot of levels, and it's very complicated. But, like, it is just... It's weird to, like you said, to almost escape it, and but then be with somebody who's like doesn't get to do that. No, exactly. And I also think that it's complicated because I mean, like, world's tiniest violin, but <laughs> it it is hard. <laughs> I wish that it weren't on trans men, and of course it is. But you have to be like, no, I do not accept this entryway to manhood and masculinity. And it's hard to say that when so much of the time you're fighting to be let in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you just have to. Yeah, it's it sucks when you when you see a really easy way for your respect to be earned, but it mm-hmm. is gross, and you're like, I I can't do that. Yeah. But you know, you'd instantly get like you go under the radar if you yeah. acted that way. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that in some instances with like playing sports with cis men mm. where they can get really aggressive and angry and like whatever and I'm like mm. I'm just like not trying to like get my clock cleaned out here on a <laughs> Tuesday morning like I had this like within the last month have, and like really the last couple of weeks I've had this like realization that it's like oh all the like things I was grappling with within the first year have kind of eroded away and there are these new set of obstacles I'm about to hit Yeah, and it's like this weird thing where it's like oh all those things are gone now but now there's like yeah like it's like it's kind of like oh just when i thought i was getting my bearings mm-hmm. we're back to square one and yeah. things are uneasy again yeah. in a new way and in a different way and it's like i think that'll be a process for my entire life i'm sure for mm-hmm. both of us like you know there will be new there's always new and unexpected things that are coming up um but one of the things is passing a little bit more and like the way that i come across to like like on the street at night late at night and like there are women on the street and being like oh i look like i could be a threat now like that i'm not i'm not necessarily a safe figure on the street like how do i non-verbally communicate that you know how do i just you know remove myself from the situation or hang back or do whatever Mm -hmm. i need to do to make them feel safer um it's just like i'm like i wish i could be like it's gonna be all right like you know and that would put them at ease yeah just me shouting to them yeah i'm not gonna try a thing yeah (laughs) i love women (laughs) (laughs) I think that this ties into then the final question. Which club you like to be a part of? 
or not necessarily sure. Sorry, no, like that's not see. even the right question. Like to see in the world. I we're our questions are in flux. We're derailing. And we're that's editing. beautiful. It's yeah. Everything should be everything we're keeping is, it queer. Everything should be in flux. Always something you would like flux. to see in the world. So again, with the question of like um moving through the world as a masculine person and what that means and what that looks like, I think that in the correct circumstances, like performing masculinity can be really fun. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I don't know, like Rachel and I very often, when we are together, will kind of like perform our respective gender roles in a way that is very playful and very fluid Mm -hmm. because there are so many iterations that we can kind of exist as whether I'm like her gay best friend or her boyfriend because most of the time because people are so like heteronormative Mm -hmm. obviously people read us as a straight couple Mm -hmm. which is so funny because to me I'm like if you know any gay people (laughs) like (laughs) right but you know us just like existing in the world it's like okay straight couple um and like I love playing that part Mm -hmm. because it's just fun and because then and it's not like I'm the only one who is getting to like explore and play around with gender there like she is as well but I just think that everyone like lately I'm very like pro (laughs) I'm pro masculinity in a way of and I guess maybe what I'm talking about is just a very simple like okay how can we develop a healthy masculinity mm-hmm. but I do think that's important because Connor as you said gender is not going anywhere maybe you didn't use those exact words but you know like said, gender's real gender's real <laughs> and it is Out and so it's crazy to be but, like gender's real <laughs> but truly I mean right because I think that none of us in this room are gender abolitionists and it's like we're gonna keep doing this thing right so how can we do it in a way that is fun and is not harmful and how do we form a masculinity that is not built upon the oppression of women and femmes Mm -hmm. among other things yeah um and i don't know the answer to that but i am hopeful that there is such a way yeah (laughs) and i think that there is yeah i I mean that's a question i grapple with all the time too of like being like yeah fuck i mean i think i've probably shared this quote before if you haven't read it yourself but thomas mcbee he's a writer he talks about his trans experience and he always his quote is i love being a man i hate what it means to be a man Mm -hmm. and it's like the most concise way to I think encapsulate the experience of being like, well, fuck, I just joined this team that sucks. And I, right. and I need to, how do I like, yeah. How do you make way for a healthier? And like, I do feel that trans men are in a unique and trans mask folks in general are in a unique position to, like you were saying, like we were social, like the best thing for a man is to be socialized as a woman. And it's like, you are in a unique position to bring this experience and this perspective that is like gonna really only mm-hmm. open up what it means to be masculine, what it means to be a man, um, in a in a hopefully a healthier way than we have right now. Yeah, and another thing I just thought of, which feels at least personally revelatory, perhaps, mm-hmm. is that you know we were talking about that horrible feeling of you know feeling infantilized or feeling like your gender is just a costume, but I think that maybe 
in that thought process, we're also incidentally naturalizing cis people's gender. Mm-hmm. And it might be productive to say, like, you know, we're all kind of kids in costumes. Yeah. And to that extent, there is room to... This is maybe a weird analogy, but I remember someone talking about, like, how one way to kind of move past capitalism would be to allow capitalism to exist in, like, controlled environments where you could basically play capitalism. Um almost like in the way I'm not explaining this well because I'm not familiar enough with the source material but it's like okay let's say we have a socialist economy but you can participate in a small controlled capitalist economy Um, and I almost feel that way about gender like the more we make it something where it's like okay we're all just playing at this Mm -hmm. the better off we will all be right yeah well i think what we lack right now is an acknowledgement by cis people that they are also participating in exactly gender. and and they think that they're not they think it's a natural biological and especially men because yeah. within feminism there are all these ideas about like the constructed nature of femininity and womanhood mm-hmm. but then you're naturalizing masculinity and manhood mm-hmm. when those are just as constructed right exactly and i mean <laughs> to quote rupaul you're born and the rest is drag i think is like you know like i think that not enough like that's also people... a patty smith quote is it i think i mean yeah her quote is like i don't know it's the same thing but she fucking said it first okay so to quote patty smith <laughs> quote me saying quote rupaul <laughs> um, we're just kids but never mind Go it's on. in my it's in my room um but the um yeah, like, I think there are not enough, anyway, there are not enough cis people who don't understand that, like, yeah, wearing, like, your your boat shoes and your, <laughs> your, your, your like, polos and all that, that is, like, a form you're, of, yeah. uh, you're playing a, you're playing a type of man, and that's, uh-huh. like, and that's great, but, like, yeah, I think, to your point, the more people who understand that we're all putting on a costume, so to speak, yes. it's going to erode, yeah, like, all the, kind of, like, the, the discrepancy or the issues there, I think. Uh-huh. Lot, yeah. And then you are able to have fun with it. Like, one specific memory that I have, like, pre-coming out, pre-transition, I had this, like, camel overcoat that had a, like, in, um, you know, a breast pocket in the inside. Mm -hmm. And there was something about, like, the physical feeling of putting my phone into that pocket Mm. that... I don't know what it was. I was watching Succession at the time, and every time I like put my phone into that pocket, I was like, I feel like Kendall right now. Yeah, it's, and like... it's that kind of thing where it's just like small. I don't even want to use the word ritual because it's not that, but I don't know. I think that when you can like relish in those moments of performing your gender, mm-hmm. it can be really healthy. Yeah, and fun. Yeah, I I think too like so often like out of a um. I don't know survival instinct i think a lot of trans people like push against it being something that's like you know playing and yes because it's like i am this is valid i am real this is who i am like this is like you can't take that from me or mm-hmm. you can't say that i'm whatever but i've found that like letting go of that like kind of like shield of i'm putting up or that like fight back and being like yeah this is something i play with and this is something and like my body is different and that is yeah 
good and fine and I like it that way and I yeah. like having this dual like feminine and masculine within me I like being socialized as a woman mm-hmm. growing up I you know what I mean like all of that is something I'm excited by rather than like trying to push against yeah just eases it all and it's like yeah like if everybody from every like cis or trans or like just would be more like yeah we're just doing this it would be a lot easier to and just a more chill life <laughs> yeah and amen to <laughs> a that. more chill life should we uh, should we wrap up by plugging your socials? Yeah, plug my socials. Well, you, I don't know them. You're gonna have to plug them yourself. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I actually have it etched in my brain. Okay, interesting. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Damien Kronfeld. You can find me on Instagram at Regulation Damien. That's regulation as in a regulation swimming pool. Hell yeah! All right, on three. One, two, three. Hey, boys. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Boys Club. Connor, where can they find you on socials? You can find me on Instagram at Connor Janda. That's C-O-N-O-R, panda with a J. You can find me at Nico Carney, N-I-C-O, Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. You can follow both of us at Boys Club Comedy on Instagram. We have a monthly show at Club Coming, last week of the month. Uh, if you're in New York City, you better come hang out, come part, be part of the club. Okay, see you soon, boys. XOXO. Bye. Bye. Thank you.